the uh, in, in the man who wrote that last name of Fawcett, I believe it was. Stay focused here. Um, he, uh, I believe, he was in London, or he was somewhere in England, and he got the opportunity. He was to uh, come to a larger church in London and uh, to pastor. And as the uh, history of that song goes, he took that pastorate in London and left, and uh, was going to leave that little that little village church he was pastoring, and he was packing up his things and the wagons were loaded and uh, the, the tears were streaming and he uh, came to about time to leave and he just couldn't do it. He unloaded the wagons and stayed in the church till he died. He put aside and he went back and he wrote that song, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. A beautiful song and uh, kind, of, kind of a neat story that goes with that. So we'll have to try that one again and uh, we'll, we'll work on that. So. All right. As you notice, Jim's fired, and uh, we're going to read our own text tonight. And uh, because we did so well last night, I want you this etched in you. And so we're you're going to not really memorize it, but we're going to read this together. Why don't you stand with me tonight? Acts chapter four. Acts chapter four. Over oh, the Carl, you weren't here last Sunday, were you? Yeah, you were here last Sunday. No, you weren't. That's right. He was. Having a good time up in the way up north. And so uh, we read this all together. We're going to do it again. They did a pretty good job. Pretty good job. Very good job. So we're going to read read our text together tonight. <clears throat> we're going to start in verse 23. I think I lost my mic again. There it is. We'll pull it up. Begin in verse 23. And we're going to read to verse uh, 32. Nope, 33. 33. All right, 23. Here we go. Are you ready? We're going to read together out loud. I think we can do it. Verse 23. Here we go. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David hath said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel, were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants, that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Very good reading tonight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. And uh, Lord, we pray you'd be glorified in it. Father, I just pray you'd give me the ability and the unction and the power to preach tonight. Lord, that you would give liberty to preach tonight. And Father, that hearts would allow you, would allow you to do what you intend to do in hearts. And that there would be a willingness, Lord, that there would be a submission, that there would be a meekness about us, that as the word goes out, that we would receive it. And we would move accordingly as you'd have us to do. Now, would you be glorified tonight in Jesus' name? Amen. All right, you may be seated. <clears throat> We've read this a few times now. I think you're probably getting the hang of it where we are. But you know, great churches take great work. Great churches 
take great work. They don't just happen. They don't just come about. And if you want a great church, one of the things I believe you've got to work on is, is the area of unity. Now, this is one of these uh, messages you just wish that people weren't sick and weren't traveling and were here for this. Because it's good when the whole body hears a message, right? That's kind of like unity, right? But um, you can take notes and you can call people and preach to them about it later and uh, just you know maybe help them out that way. But over in uh, Psalm 133 and verse 1, the Bible says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In unity. And let me say this. I mentioned it this morning. But unity, I want to get this out of the road here. Unity is not uniformity. I know you get that, right? Unity doesn't mean uniformity. We are a body of different members. Paul went through this once. Are all an eye? Are all a foot? Is everybody a nose? You know, it's, that's, it's, no, we're, we're, we are unified individuals. And each of us have quite a few differences between us, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, it doesn't take long to figure this out, right? There's some that are younger. There's some that are older. Some of us come from different walks of life and different backgrounds. Some of you came into Christ out of a Christian family, and you've grew up in in, in uh, churches, and you've heard the gospel from a very young age. And some came to Christ from a, out of a family that had no gospel background whatsoever. And somebody may have invited you to church, and you heard the gospel, and you got saved. And and uh, we're just different backgrounds. We're different in education. We're different in marital status. We're different in our Bible knowledge. We're different in personalities. Are we not? We all have, I mean, come on now. We're all a little bit different, right? And not different, different, right? We are. Yeah. There, there's minor issues that we differ on. Now, I, I, have, to, I have to encourage Brother Jim uh, pastorally encourage him that we don't you don't teach on the Nephilim. We're not going to go down the road of the Nephilims. All right, that's uh, he likes the topic of Genesis six and the giants in the land and all of that stuff. And he likes to tease me about it. he's going to preach on the Nephilims or teach on the Nephilim. I was like, nah, let's not do that. Let's not do that. Right? Yeah, we have we have we have differences on minor issues. Some people really believe there were literal uh, giants because of the race of angels and humans. Uh, um, uh, uh, not cohabitating, but uh, uh, what intermarrying? There we go, and uh, having offspring that were giants and these crazy things. And of course, we we differ on those type of things. Uh, and uh, my biblical opinion is that's false. But anyway, number there, there's another. I mean, but we just differ on things, right? We differ. Did Adam and Eve have a belly button? Yeah, you, you ever think, you know, these are things that people bring up that we're just different on. I don't, I mean, what I'm saying, there's silly things out there, right? Well, of course they probably didn't have a, maybe they did just to look symmetrical, but they didn't, they didn't come out of a womb, right? They didn't have an umbilical cord. You ever think of weird stuff like this? See, this is weirdos. Yeah, this is me and Jim. We sit around and think of stuff like this. Yeah. And somebody will say, well, I think they have, they had belly buttons. Okay, that's fine. Somebody said, I don't, I don't think they had belly buttons. Well, okay, that's fine. That's not a big deal, right? It's not, it's not a big major issue. I was posed this question just uh, about a week ago. Somebody said, well, when did God begin to count Adam's age? From the time that he was created or the time that he sinned up to the time of his death? I think that's a pretty cool question, actually. I never thought about it. Yeah. Does it matter? Nah, not really. Can you have a different opinion on that? Yes. What's that called? It's not uniformity. But we can still be in unity. Yeah. So there are some major doctrinal things that, yeah, we need to be all on the same page on. Or you probably need to go find a different church. Yeah. I'm talking about the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm talking about the deity of Jesus Christ. He is God. You know, there's people that argue that he was not God and that he was a human and he may have became God at his baptism in the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, but he was not God. No, I'm sorry. He was very God. He is the eternal God. Second person of the Godhead. He is God. And I'm sorry, Jack Hiles, he was not always man. Didn't know he, didn't know he taught that, did you? Yeah. You can, go, you can go find the tape. No, there's some weird stuff. That, that is an issue. That's, that's a pretty big issue. 
He's God. He's fully God. He was always God. He always has been. The eternal God at one point put on human flesh and stepped into time, right, and became sin for us. So the virgin birth of Jesus Christ is pretty, pretty solid. The deity of Jesus Christ is pretty solid. The blood atonement is pretty necessary. No, the blood just didn't dry, go down into the, the cross and, and dry up into the sand. And, and it wasn't the death of Jesus Christ. Yes, you had, he had to die, but he had to shed blood. Oh, there was a big debacle years ago about John MacArthur said it was, the blood wasn't the big issue. It was the death. Silly, silly, silly. And he's a very smart guy. Yeah. So are some Mormons, so... I guess that doesn't get you very far either. No, there's some things that we have to be uniform on if we're going to have unity. Resurrection of Jesus Christ, the inspiration of the Word of, Bi- of, of, the Word of God, yeah. and the preservation of the Word of God, and for us in the King James Bible in the English language. Yeah. What about the rapture? You know, this is, an, this is getting to be a real divider. Do you know that? You know how many, quote, self-proclaimed independent Baptists are now... Uh, Post-trib rapture? <laughs> There's a lot of them. Post-tribbers. They call themselves mid-trib or pre-wrath. Yeah, semantics, same thing. Sometimes you've got to repackage your stuff because people already know what you mean. So if you repackage it, you can get them. You can come in and sneak in and, and, and get them that way. I'm, I'm sorry, we believe in a pre-tribulational rapture of the saints. The Bible doesn't say of the church. Did you know that? Yeah. Because not all saints are in a church that Jesus started so, we, we believe in the pre, pre-tribulation rapture of the church. We believe in personal separation. We believe in ecclesiastical separation. No, we're not going to be a part of the ministerial alliance. We're not going to be part of, I got a phone call the other day of something going on. Oh, I don't know, some assembly of God, a church wanted to come pray for us or do something. I forgot what it is, and I, I didn't respond. No, we're not going to do that. Why? We believe in ecclesiastical separation. They're not biblical churches. They have unbiblical doctrine, right? We can be in you. We, we, we need to be in unity on those things. And I would say uniformity on some of those things like that. Personal separation. Boy, isn't that changing? That, that's changing a lot. That can be a real area of division. Shouldn't be. Yeah, shouldn't be. But I'm, I'm telling you, there are some things that are not that big of a deal that we can be. We, listen, we can have uh, some differing opinions on some things, but then there are other things. No, we better, we better be on the same page, friend. We'd better be on the same page. And so there are some things that a new believer may not know, absolutely. But if somebody comes along and comes here and says, well, I don't believe in creation, or I don't believe in Bible inspiration, or I don't believe in a literal, literal physical resurrection, or the virgin birth of Christ, or the blood atonement, or uh, you know any of these major doctrines, if they come along and say, I don't really believe that, I'm just going to say, well, you know, friend, there's really no way you can join this church. You're not going to, it's not going to work. You, you have some real doctrinal issues. Yeah, some of these things are called heresy. <laughs> yeah, and so there are some areas of differences that are minor differences Brother Jim I don't know if you heard I already brought up the Nephilims alright minor differences you missed out you missed out even though there are areas of differences that can be minor differences there are many areas of differences that can cause a chink in the armor and if you get enough chinks in the armor, the body is vulnerable to injury or death. Yeah. So I want to look tonight at the areas of unity in the body. And there are four areas of unity I want to look at here in Acts chapter 4. Let me give them to you. The four areas of unity here. Unity in prayer. Number two, unity in assembly. Aren't you glad you came tonight? Number three, unity in heart and soul. This is all in our text. And then number four, unity in belongings. I'll tell you some needs I have. I I know somebody. Anybody have a really cool car? (laughs) Got some needs. (laughs) No. Yeah. Areas of unity. Prayer, assembly, heart and soul, belongings. 
Number one, look at this unity in the body here. In Acts chapter 4 was in the unity of prayer. Look at verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth. And they went on in their prayer through the next several verses. Notice this in verse 24. The word they, that word they is referring to that term there, that word there, their own company. Their own company. Who is it? That was the church at Jerusalem. Peter and John had been preaching. They got pitched in jail. Well, remember, they, the guy was healed. And then they took the occasion to preach. And then as they preached, uh, 5,000 got saved. That's incredible. And because of the 5,000 that got saved, the chief priests and all them ran out there, grabbed them out of there, put them in jail, sat overnight, brought them out the next morning, questioned them and told them don't preach anymore and let them go, right? So what did they do? They left that little court's hearing they had and they went back to their own company. They went back to the church. It was assembled there. And it says this, they, they, verse uh, 24, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God. Look at the end of verse 23. And reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them, Peter and John. Okay, So you have Peter and John and then you have the church here. And they had heard this. So the church is praying. They are assembled and they are praying. Notice what they pray for in verses 24 through 26. They are praying, here's their prayer. They are acknowledging that God is over the kings of the world. This is taken from Psalm, the second Psalm. I almost said Psalm chapter. From the second Psalm. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us cast their, uh, their bands asunder. Let us, let us break their bands asunder. Let us cast their cords from us. Then it goes on to say, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. This is all Psalm, Psalm 2, the second Psalm. He's quoting from that. And, uh, and they're, they're, they're acknowledging, though, here in their prayer that God is over the kings of the world. In verses 27 through 28, they are acknowledging that the ones who crucified the Lord Jesus Christ are the same ones who are after them as well. Remember what Jesus said, if they hated you, they're going to hate me. I mean, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they came after me, they're going to come after you. He essentially also said, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's not you they hate. It's me that's in you that they hate. Yeah. And so that's verses 27 through 28. Now in verse 29 through 30, they ask for boldness in speaking or in preaching. Who are they asking boldness for? They're asking for Peter and John's sake. They're the preachers here. Now watch this, please. The prayer, watch, the church's prayer was in complete unity with what Peter and John were doing. They were praying. What, what was going on? What was the unity that's necessary here? Prayer. The unity of prayer. The entire church wanted Peter and John to have boldness in preaching. Why? So that the gospel would be preached so that people would be saved. So their unity, their prayer was in unity. They were praying off the same prayer list. Yeah. Can I tell you tonight, we ought to be on the same prayer list as a church, a Calvary Baptist church. We ought to be, there are some things that we ought to be on the same prayer list about. Right? Do you know your pastor needs prayer from everybody? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you want messages to get better and shorter, you better pray. I remember in college one time we had an oral, oral test and Dr. Haru was walking around and he was giving the question and I'm writing and writing and writing and writing. And, and I didn't know he noticed me because he walked around and all of a sudden I heard him say, you show how much you don't know by how much you write. I guess it was a really short answer. And you know what? I didn't know the answer. So I just figured I'd come in for a landing sometime and maybe I'd hit it. And he was exactly right. So you know you need to pray for, pray for your pastor that his messages would get shorter and more concise, right? See, all this extra stuff that goes on. Yeah. Oh, I need your prayers. Yeah, absolutely. 
Everybody should be praying. No, the whole church should be in unity, praying for laborers at Calvary Baptist Church. Jesus said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his vineyard, into his field. Everybody should be praying for laborers. We should all be on the same on the same sheet praying for the lost to come in. We should all be on the same sheet praying that we find the lost as we go out. There are those that are, have already responded to creation. They have already responded to their conscience. God has been working on them in their life. And they just need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if they just heard the gospel, they'd respond to it. Micah, how many times have you been in church since you came here the first time? None? Yeah. But God had been working on him through creation and conscience, right? There had been something going on. You know, the first day he showed up, he got saved. Do you know there's more out there like that? Yeah. We ought to be on the same page, praying in unity for those that are so close to salvation. We ought to be on the same page praying for one another. We ought to pray, be pray, on the same page praying about the sale of a property and the sale of move. Boy, we better be in unity on that. Yeah. yeah. Don't know if we are. Let me give you number five here. If our prayer life is not in unity, the church is not in unity, and we are open for injury. Yeah. So we've been commanded to pray for one another. And you may say this, well, I'm not against anybody. I'm not against anything going on. I'm not against it, right? I'm all right. But if we're not obeying God in our daily act of praying, we're still bringing disunity to the body. We talked about this in discipleship tonight. It was, the subject was prayer. It was on prayer. And it was it was Saul who told Sam, uh, it was Samuel who told told Saul when Saul had just was been told that the kingdom had been ripped from him and given to somebody better than him and he asked uh, Saul to Saul asked Samuel to bless him and to pray for him and Samuel said how could I sin and not praying for you oh Samuel was mad at Saul he was irritated at Saul but even at that point he said it would be sin for me not to pray for you. Listen to James 5.16. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Here it is. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So we need to have unity in the exercise of prayer. And we need to have unity in the same subject matter of what we're praying for. Unity in prayer. This was what was going on here in this church at Jerusalem here in, in the book of Acts. They had unity in prayer. The entire church, all of them were of the same mind in their prayer. Notice secondly here in the assembly, there was unity in assembly. I don't have to spend a lot of time on this. You know this. The church, I mean, the church, the Greek word church, ecclesia, we know what it means. It's called out assembly which means the first responsibility of the church is to assemble. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer. It really is, you know. So, what this means is, it's not optional. We're living in an optional world. We love options, you know, do this if you want to, do this if you don't want to. And it's amazing how subservient and obedient we are to the government before we are to God. Ouch. All right. Quench the spirit. No, this is no assembling is an act of obedience. You, you say, well, well, how is it an act of obedience? I know everybody in this room knows this. I know this crowd understands it, but I'm going to remind you go to Hebrews chapter 10, would you please? Hebrews chapter 10, because I don't want to just show you verse 25. I want to show you also verse 24. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 24. We're talking about unity in the body. Verse 24 says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Kind of sounds like, you know, bearing one another's burdens. It kind of sounds like praying for one another. You know, what, what are we doing? We're concerned for one another, right? Look what it says. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. I'm sorry, verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke, how? To prod, where? Unto love 
and to good works. So it takes more than it takes people provoking us to get there, right? We need help. Notice what's after that word works. That's a colon. You know what a colon does, right? It, what comes after the colon explains what's before it. So verse 25 is actually going to explain verse 24. What do, you, what do you mean? What does it look like to provoke unto love and to good works? How is that done? Well, let me explain it here. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. You ever seen those two together, those two verses together? As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, edifying, lifting up, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So how do we provoke one another to love? How, how do we provoke one another to good works? Assembling. <laughs> is that what it says right here? Is that verse 25? That's why we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Look what it goes on to say. Exhorting one another. Same thing as verse 24. Provoking to love and to good works. What are we doing when we assemble? We are exhorting one another to, to good works and to love. How does that happen? Well, we know iron sharpens iron, right? We understand that when we sit, when we assemble as a body, we're watching each other what obey at the most basic level. We're watching obedience. You know what that does? Number one, that encourages, that exhorts, and encourages. It provokes us. You know what was provoking for me? Watching. I've said this before. But watching Brother Epps at like 94 walk into church when it had about three inches of snow on the ground. Shuffle in. He was there. Wasn't he always there? He was always there, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Boy, boy, that exhorted me and provoked me. You know what provoked me? Watching Brother J.C. Maddox come to an altar at 85 years old or so. He still had stuff to deal with God. No, he, no, he hadn't finished life yet. He still needed to deal with God. That provoked me. To love and to good works. You know, I wouldn't have got that if I hadn't assembled. I wouldn't have learned that anywhere else but by assembling. Are we following this? Yeah. Could you imagine how the rest of your body would feel if your liver decided not to show up? I, I marvel and I marvel and I marvel that Jesus chose the human body to describe His church. The Creator of it, I, you know what? He could go so deep into the connection between the church and the body, far, probably far deeper than we could, which is why He chose it. But could you imagine your liver not showing up? Could you imagine your heart one day saying, you know, Bubba, I've been, I've been, I've been working here for 55 years. I'm done. I'm taking tomorrow off. How long would that last? Wait, 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 wait. What would it do to the rest of the body? It doesn't just affect the heart. It affects the foot and the toes and the toenails and your eyeballs and your ears and everything else. It affects it all. Yeah. Now think about this as well. No matter how strong the head is, and who is our head? It's Jesus Christ. He's the head of the body. Colossians 1.18, the church. No matter how strong and how power, powerful that head is, the body can't function without a liver and without a heart. Yeah. What am I saying? The church can die when there's not unity in assembling. Say, but Jesus is our head. Yes, He is. Yes, He is. But the heart stop, cut off an arm long enough, Get a foot tore off and sit there and bleed out. I don't care how strong the head is. You'll die. Now notice verse 24. You want to see unity in the text here in Acts? Unity in assembling back in Acts chapter 4. Verse 24 says they were with one accord. Acts chapter 4. With one accord. You realize here they were also assembled to pray. Not just assembled to hear the preaching. Not just the assembly to be singing together. All of those things are necessary and we need them. But they, they were assembled here and they were praying. 
I don't see where Peter and John necessarily were preaching in this assembly. They had assembled to pray. Verse 21 through 32, it says here, the multitude of them. There with one accord, they prayed, verses 21 through the 32, but would you notice this? I need to find my place again. In verse 32, yeah. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Question, who is that multitude? Now verse 24, I believe it was. 23 talks about their own company. So we have a company here. And then we have a multitude of believers. We have their own company. And then we have a multitude of of believers. Who was the multitude of believers? If you go back to Acts 4 and verse 4, it's the 5,000 that were saved. Look what it says here. How be it, verse 4 and 4, 4, 4, how be it many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Verse 32, and the multitude of them that believed. They're already assembling. That's quick. Can I tell you the New Testament is totally foreign to the New Testament to have a believer not a part of a body? No, as time has gone on, this is it's pretty normal. Nowadays, people get saved and you never join a church, never get baptized, just can't find them, can't run them down, can't get them. It's foreign in the Bible. It's foreign. It's, it's foreign in the New Testament. And here they are, they're assembling here in the church. The original believers were assembling their company and the believers that had just gotten saved we are assembling. What am I saying here tonight? We are listen, we are unified not only in prayer but we are unified in our assembling and we are disobedient when we don't. I'm not talking about being providentially hindered, you understand that. I'm not talking about being on your deathbed. But I do have problems when people say I can't come to church but I can go to the store. I can run all over Springfield when I need to. Might get COVID at church. You might. But you might get it at Walmart where you've been every day. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, you're sounding grouchy. I'm a little grouchy. That's all right. (laughs) You get tired of coddling people along sometimes, don't you? Yeah. Aren't you glad you assembled tonight? <laughs> uh, we Listen, there's unity in prayer. There's unity in assembling. Uh, thirdly, there's unity, it says here, in heart and soul. What a neat term here. Look at verse uh, uh, 32. And the multitude of them that believe were of one heart and of one soul. What does that mean? Well, of one heart, the church at Jerusalem had the same love. They loved the Lord Jesus. They loved the gospel. They loved the lost. They wanted John and uh, Peter and John to have power to preach the gospel. They loved the lost. They loved one another, obviously. We'll see that here in a second. They were of, listen, they had unity in heart. They, had, they loved the same thing. Philippians 2, 2, Paul said, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, having the same love, and being of one accord and of one mind. It was a church at Ephesus that God warned them, Jesus warned them that He was going to remove their candlestick. He was going to remove His presence from them if they didn't return to their same love, the, to, their, to, their, uh, to their former love, you know. The, the church at Ephesus at one time was, had great unity in, in their love for the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus said, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Church here at Jerusalem was of one heart. One heart. You know, when we have some that love the lost and assemble with the church to go door-to-door visitation, those that are physically able, and someone doesn't care about that, that's called disunity in the body. It's not the same heart. Yeah. 
No, okay, let, let me move on. That didn't go over well. When we have some who love the preaching of the gospel and some who say, and you'll, I don't know if you heard it, but I heard it. Can't wait until we're finished with the book of Genesis. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of disunity in the body. When you have some who love one another and spend time caring for the shut-ins and caring for the sick, and, and uh, there are some that never move their finger to even pick up a phone and call, that's disunity in the body. No, no, we want a great church. I'm, I'm not, you know, just, just whipping away to whip away. We want a great church, right? We want unity in the body. First Peter one twenty two, Paul said, "See or Peter said, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. You love one another. We need to be in the same heart. We need to have unity in the body and in, in what we love and who we love. And then secondly, we need to have the same soul here. We need to have unity and have in, in the same soul. What on earth is that? Well, we know the soul is the center of who we are, right? It's the seat of our emotions. The, 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 the soul is our mind. It's our will. It is our emotions. And so like the heart is the center of the physical body, you might say it this way, it might be wrong, but I think you could say it this way. The soul is the center of the spiritual body. Our soul one day is going to, it's who we are. It's not our physical body. This body, as we know, is going to go in a grave. And we who we are, our soul, is going to be in the presence of God if you're saved. And so what does this mean? We need to be of the same soul. The same heart. Look, they were of one heart, that's unity, and of one soul. What does that mean? I think the church had the same mind. The church had the same will. The church had the same emotions. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. We just went through this, not, I think, on Wednesday night. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Remember all that disunity in the body at Corinth? I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of Jesus. All the disunity going on. And he says, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Yeah. You see that? The church, the Jerusalem church here in Acts was of one heart and of one soul. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 8, there was great joy in the city. Remember, Philip went down to, to Samaria and he preached the gospel. And it said many of them, many of them came to Jesus Christ. And it said there in verse 8 that there was great joy in that city. Why was there great joy? Well, that, that's, a, that's a happy soul, right? There was, a, there was joy in the city. Why? Because they got saved. Watch this. When you take all of those people individually together, they all had joy because of the salvation that was going on. They were of the same soul. They were all in one soul at that moment. Why? They all had joy because of salvation. There was a unity of joy. And there was a unity there of those believers at Samaria. Right? They're of one soul. Can I tell you, churches have lost their joy. Yeah, they have. I've been in some. They're defeated. They're sidetracked. I think some people get bored with their salvation. <laughs> you say, how do you get bored with your salvation? Oof. Sometimes you just forgot what you used to be. And what God brought you out of. And where He found you. And where He's brought you to. Some of the biggest problems with the boredom of salvation and our life in Christ. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? But some of the biggest problem with it is found in Mark 4.19 when Jesus was talking about the sower and the seed. And he said some seed falls on, on, in, in the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things enter in and it chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. Yeah, what's going on there? There's the same principle applies in our Christian life. And the cares of this world come in. And we get so wrapped up with tomorrow. We get so wrapped up with what's going on in the news. We get so wrapped up. You know, I know we went through pendulum swings and, and nobody had TVs and then it was okay. And nobody went to movies and then it was okay. Maybe it'd be good if we went back to no TVs and no movies. You know, maybe that'd be all right. 
We get so distracted. The cares of this world. I saw this little thing the other day, and it said uh, it showed it showed this lady, and uh, she looked obviously like she was prepared for COVID. And there's two Amish people, and uh, she said, "Well, why aren't you afraid of COVID?" And they said, "We don't have a TV." <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying ignorance is bliss. I mean, we're not ignorant, all right? The men of Issachar had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. I'm not saying we put our head in the sand and be stupid. But there are some times, listen, we need to know when the cares of this world are, 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 are growing up in our life and they're just, just destroying our joy because we forgot what God is doing and we get so consumed with what's going on around us. Churches have lost their joy. Well, how do you get your joy back? I don't know. Why don't you put the cares of the world off? Yeah. Cast it. Well, remember that? How does that go? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You know what that word cast there means? It means to roll up and throw. Roll it up and put it on top of. Yeah. Cast your care upon him. Yeah. You want your joy back. Just quit worrying. Quit trying to keep up with the Joneses. We don't have any Jones here anymore. We're just talking about him. Yeah. Remember what you used to be. Walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the, remember this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Did you hear that one word in there, Joy. Second, second in the list, love and then joy. Let me tell you, I'm going to read you a quote from a man. He said this, As in a living body, only one heart beats. Its whole, he's speaking of the church here, and he's speaking of the church here at Acts. Its whole act of life was one in thought, in feeling, and in will. As one heart, there's only one heart that beats in the body. This man said there, the, the church at Acts had one heart. And the whole act of life was one in thought, in feeling, and in will. One in prayer. Unity in assembly. Unity in heart and soul. Then finally, and we'll be done here, unity in their belongings. Sounds pretty good, huh? I'm liking this. This is going somewhere. This is not a proof text for communism, okay? No, I'm serious. People, people go here. See, I mean, you know, Jesus was a communist. Oh my goodness! And you're dumb. So, I didn't. Oh, that was. Can we all agree with that so we can be in unity? Okay, good. We're good. All right. Listen, all of the giving that went on here in Acts chapter 4 was voluntary. It was voluntary. You want proof? Here, look down at chapter 5 and verse 4. Remember um, Ananias really goofed up, went out and sold property, kept some of the money back, and uh, which wasn't the big deal. What the big deal was is he lied and said he gave it all because he wanted to be looked at like he was something great like Barnabas and Joseph. But look what it says in verse 4. Well, look what Peter said. While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Peter said, could you, you could have done what you wanted with it. It was yours. Nobody forced you to do this. Nobody coerced you. It wasn't one of these things like, I don't know, a church over here on the highway that's really, really big with thousands of people in it where you have to give your W-2 to join there so they can automatically withdraw your tithe out every week. That's actually not a bad idea. I I think it falls flat when we think about the soul liberty of the believer and we're priests and kings unto God, but that's another issue, you know. No, they, they wasn't coerced. This is voluntary giving. This is what they were doing. And there was their belongings. You know, I, I, have, I have noticed that this, that when a, when a communist wants to give everybody money and things, they don't ever want to give their money. You ever, you ever hear these bleeding hearts? Like the, the Soroses and the people that have billions of dollars and we need to do this for the poor. We need to do this. We need to have legislation for this. Great. Just write a check. 
go ahead, write a check, and then we can deal with the legislation later. Oh, no, 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 no. It needs to go through legislation. Write a check. You got the money, right? Yeah, the communists, they love to be communists with everybody else's money. Yeah. This is not communism. I guess that's what this whole thing was about. This is not communism at all. It's not what it is. The unity here in the church at Jerusalem produced a concern for one another's monetary well-being. Why did they have to do this? You know, when you were a Jew and you proclaimed, Jesus is my Messiah, you were kicked out of the temple. And when you were kicked out of the temple, within that society, you had real trouble keeping your job. These people were losing their money. These people were losing their livelihoods and their, and, and, and their, their, uh, their ability to, to uh, work. Remember when the, Jesus healed that one blind man and they brought in his parents and they were nervous. And they said, well, was he blind from birth? Well, yes, he was blind from birth. Well, who did this? And they said, well, he's of age, ask him. They didn't want to get in the middle of this. And remember what eventually happened when, when, they, when they asked the blind man? They, he said, well, I don't know. Uh, this guy here healed me. I don't know anything about him. I love this. He was already soul winning. Will you be his disciple too? (laughs) Kicked him out of the temple right away. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. They they kicked you out. You you know how many of these Jews here? Probably what? Up to 14,000 here in the church of Jerusalem at probably its height. You know how many of those got kicked out of the temple? What are they doing? They're concerned because they're in unity in prayer Unity in assembly, unity in heart and soul. Their their desire, their heart, their concern, their love was for one another. And because of that unity, they were concerned with one another's well-being monetarily. The body should be concerned for the well-being of one another. We should be. Listen, we live in a great country. I think everybody in here does pretty well. I mean, we're not talking about uh, providing for bums that won't work. That's not what we're talking about. There's a, a nicer word in the Bible about, you know, he that, any man, uh, if he doesn't work, neither should he, you know. Any man that does, doesn't provide for his own is worse than an infidel. Okay, that's infidels. That's a good word too. Bum, infidel, good. They go together. <laughs> but uh, no, they're caring for one another. You know how easy it is to care for one another when the body's in unity? We should do a, you should do a study sometime of your human body, what happens when one part of your body has an injury and what the rest of the body does to aid that part of the body to heal. White blood cells are released. They rush to the area. Oh, it's fascinating. Fascinating. I love it how Jesus called this a body. Belongings, unity in our belongings. Know what I've noticed about serious, those that are serious with the Lord, they're probably not going to go around asking anyway. Sometimes believe, sometimes in the body you've got to be aware of where people are and watch what they need and think, oh, maybe, because a lot of people aren't going to ask. Now there's some that'd be like, hey, can you help me with my uh, rent for the last six months? It's like, I can help you get a job. <laughs> that might be good. <laughs> but uh, unity in the body. That's what we're talking about. Notice here, we're, we're done. Maybe. I wanted you to see verse 33, the byproduct of this unity. I mean, I think we're all performance driven. We, we all like to see a result of our labor, right? Look at the byproduct, verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Can I show you what happened here? God answered the prayer of verse 24 through 30. God answered their prayer. They were in unity. The apostles preached the gospel with power. It's what they wanted. And then on top of that, they didn't even ask for this. God gives abundantly more than we ask or think. Amen. On top of that, grace was given to all of them. 
not just the apostles. Grace, what, what kind of grace? What is that grace? Divine enablement. Divine enablement. The apostles got power to do their job. The rest of the body got grace. Divine enablement to do their job. That comes from unity, folks. Unity. Without, listen, without unity, this is not hyperbole. This is not sensationalism. This is fact. Without unity, Calvary Baptist Church dies. Period. Yes, it does. And you know where unity starts, right? It starts with you. I mean, to be unified, everybody has to be unified. Right. So unity starts with me. Unity starts with you. So if you're not praying, can we safely say we're causing division in the body? I know I don't like that one either. It's tough. But I think I mean I think pretty well bears out, doesn't it? Could you imagine if these the church here wasn't praying at all for the for the apostles for Peter and John to preach? You think we'd have seen what went on there? Not at all. Yeah. If you're not assembling, yeah. division in the body. If you're not having, if we're not operating with the same heart and the, with one heart and one soul, division in the body. If you're not meeting the needs of others when you can, division in the body. I'll say it because he's not here. Martin is in California, but him and Mary cooked up seven, seven uh, meatloafs and just drove around and dropped them off to Brandy and Patrick to the to uh, the pieces. Um, I'm trying to think who all, who else? Did you all get a meatloaf? Or did you guys, I think Ashley brought you guys something. And yeah, and she just called me. She just called, what can we do for them? Can I bring them food? You know, can I do this? I, I didn't say anything to him. I didn't say anything to Martin. I love that. I love that. I didn't get a meatloaf, but it's all right. <laughs> I didn't need a meatloaf. Yeah. We're not meeting the needs of the other of others when it's our when it's within our power to do so. Right? Division. It's disunity and division in the body. It's disunity. Maybe I won't use the word division. I'll use the word disunity. So here's here. I'll just pull it together this way. Are we on the same page? Are we all on the same page? If not. You need to get it. in whatever the area is where you're not on the same page. We need to make sure we're there because Calvary. We have to. We have to have unity in the body. It's 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 vitally important. It's important for our very existence. So, Father, thank you. Uh,